This is Unaided, the brand building podcast brought to you by Leakside, a team snap company. Get ready to learn about brand marketing strategy from the experts. Here's your host, Evan Brandoff. Hello and welcome to Unaided, the brand building podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. Today, we welcome Lisa Hakey onto the show. In Lisa's role as the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Great Clips, Lisa helps franchisees drive revenue and customer counts through marketing and communications. Let's get into it. Lisa, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Evan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I I hear it's snowing today in Minneapolis. Yes, our first real snowstorm, probably first of many this year. Oh, wow. I'm sure you're well accustomed to snowstorms, but the first one of the season is always a shock to the system. Exactly. Especially when you have a 16-year-old son who drove himself to school today. Oh, boy. Yes. Well, I'm hoping not too much snow. And, and for we're recording this episode on November 29th, so it is a bit early for a snowstorm. Not in Minneapolis. <laughs> this uh, is actually a little late. Usually it happens before Thanksgiving and messes up the entire holiday, so we're okay. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to dig into your incredible career and in leading marketing at, at Great Clips. But first, I'd love to go back in time. Where are you from originally, Lisa? So I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, just on the border of Minneapolis, actually in the Minneapolis DMA. So grew up with all the Minnesota sports, with the news from the Twin Cities. When I was 15, though, my family moved to Lincoln, Nebraska. I, My stepfather was in collegiate athletics, and so we moved to Nebraska as he worked with with the athletics department there. So got plucked to the middle of the heartland when I was 15. So I ended up going to high school there and ended up staying there for my undergrad and then moved back here. So where do your sports teams, where do your allegiances lie? Well, it definitely lies with Nebraska, just because (laughs) when I was in college, they were pretty good at the time. And so, you know, grew up watching the Huskers as my stepfather worked for the athletic department. And so it was very ingrained in it there. But yeah, definitely a fan. I married a lifelong Husker fan. And so kind of got swooped into it as well through the last, wow, 27 years. But my oldest son goes to University of Wisconsin so when we're there, we will cheer for the Badgers, unless they're playing the Huskers. They both are having a really tough year, though. So. But how are you feeling about your new coach? Pretty good. I think Wisconsin got the better coach, though. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think both are, are quality and, and will be really good recruiters. So. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Hopeful for the future. So went to school at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that you potentially wanted to go into marketing? So early on, when actually when I was in high school, I was I introduced to DECA. Have you heard of DECA? It's a marketing. Of course. Yes. Yeah. No. I was introduced to DECA and really had a great teacher who got me very much into it, kind of saw, helped me understand the potential and future opportunities that existed in the world of marketing. And I ended up going to get my undergrad in international business. I want. I knew I wanted to study other cultures and I wanted to travel and just experience the world. And so I studied international business with an emphasis in marketing. I actually studied Japanese. That was way back when Japanese was kind of the powerhouse of brands and business. And I knew that there was opportunity there. 
until I graduated and the bubble burst in Japan and had to kind of find new roads of opportunities, but had great experiences, worked for Pillsbury in their international department and had great experience, just introduction to marketing and, and helping other helping the subsidiaries as we would launch new products in other countries and get into understanding the nuances of the culture and how we had to approach the packaging and the marketing and the communication in those other countries. So that's, it kind of evolved all through college with that emphasis on the international focus. Did Was traveling internationally part of the gig at Pillsbury? It was, yes. Yeah. So early on traveling internationally, going and visiting the different subsidiaries, lots of great opportunities. So Pillsbury had Haagen-Dazs ice cream, and there was a plant in France. They had Old El Paso with plants in outside of Amsterdam. And then probably the most unique experience I had there is we imported Bailey's for Haagen-Dazs ice cream. It was the number two selling ice cream that Haagen-Dazs sold. The only place you can get Bailey's is Dublin, Ireland. And so we were having some tariff issues, importing Bailey's. And so had the opportunity to go there and try to figure out how we might change how we imported Bailey's in order to help offset the costs of the products. So ultimately they stopped making Bailey's ice cream, which is very disappointing. That is very disappointing. How can we bring it back? (laughs) (laughs) can make it ourselves. All right. (laughs) Something that I admire so much about you is you were working at Pillsbury, then you had an amazing job at 3M. But then correct me if my timeline is off, but after 3M, is is that when you started a company with your husband? Yes. Yes. So yeah, I spent, after I went back to school and got my MBA, I actually got my MBA while I was at Pillsbury and then had the opportunity to move over to 3M and work in their strategic business development group on a variety of, we were a I played more of an internal consulting role at 3M. So I got to work with a variety of divisions and helping them with different marketing strategy problems and initiatives. So it was a great opportunity. And then I moved into the dental division of 3M and mainly did that because of the international edge I could take there because they had just acquired a company in Germany. And I was helping with that whole integration and marketing and how we were going to position the products globally. And then I had young kids at the time, two young kids, and the travel was a lot. And when you went international, you didn't go for a couple of days. It was, you know, a good week at a time. And it was, you know, looking at future opportunities and, and growth for me at 3M, being a working mom with young kids, wanting to continue to grow in my career. I just realized it wasn't feasible just because of the amount of commitment you had to make, especially at that time. This was the mid 2000s. I think there's a lot more balance that people have now, but back then it was you dedicated your life to that company. So just looking at other opportunities, my husband and I always wanted to start our own business. We had talked about it constantly and we decided just to take the leap. He left his job first and I I kept the stable job and, and tried to balance both. And then eventually we grew. So it was a retail food-based business. We had a gourmet retail store that we sold gifts and gadgets and gourmet food items. And then we had prepared meals that we would sell. So kind of actually before the whole 
home chef, blue apron right. days. That was our version of it. So people would come to us, they could prepare their own meals, or we sold them pre-made as well. And it was a great solution for us as working parents. And we knew it would be a great market for it in our neighborhoods that we lived in. And so we grew that. We had seven locations of our own, and then we started franchising it. And as it took off after probably a year and a half in is when I left my corporate life to go full in on the name of the business was Social Gourmet. And yeah, we grew that. And I can go into the whole story later about how and why we exited, but it was 2008 when the, the market was, the recession was, was having some issues. So yeah, then that led me to Best Buy. And the reason I went to Best Buy is because I really appreciated the experience that I had had at 3M and all of the stability and the corporate resources and the ability to think strategically. I missed that about owning your own business when you're in the weeds and doing all the day-to-day stuff. But I love the entrepreneurial aspect of it and kind of the chaos of it all. And I wanted that. And someone had recommended Best Buy as the perfect mix of having that entrepreneurial edge in an ever-evolving retail environment and yeah, made the leap and went to Best Buy. Amazing. So while we're still on the topic of Social Gourmet, Mm -hmm. which is a great name, I love it. So it sounds like a big impetus was work was time intensive. There was a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. So you started this company. Was it actually less time intensive going (laughs) from 3M to starting this company? No, I would say it was not less time intensive, but it was different because it was yours. And we were so passionate about it and we wanted to build it and we had so much energy and we had built a team that was just as engaged as we were and excited about the future and the potential. And so, yeah, I think it was different. It was just eager and driven and motivated and we made it part of our family. Our kids came along. I mean, sometimes I'd have to work at the store and I'd put them in the back office and get them set up with a video and, or they just crawl around and help me redecorate the retail, (laughs) the retail merchandise. And so it just became part of, part of our life. In fact, we had to force ourselves to not talk about it sometimes and not work sometimes, but. Yeah. Well, to that point, that was my next question at night in the evening. How did you turn off and just go back to being husband and wife and family versus co-founders? We really did have to be forceful about it. Luckily, we had very young kids. And so they forced us, right? We needed to dedicate our time to them and, and focus on them. And they started having activities. And so we just had to be on purpose about it. And we knew our roles. And we had clearly defined roles at that time. Luckily, my husband played more of the finance and operations side of it. And I was able to do more of the marketing and human resource side of it. And so that really helped as well. And so we could kind of say, okay, we're done for the day and let's focus on us. Yeah, that makes sense. But it was great. In fact, one time we had an article in Forbes actually, and they wrote about the entrepreneurial love story. They launched it on Valentine's Day, this article, and we just laugh about it, but it was true because we really did enjoy working together and it worked well. Uh, Yeah. When we started our company, I started it with my best friend and I feel like there's this connotation or people think that it's not good to start a business with loved ones. I don't understand that. You understand each other so well and it's someone that you trust so much. So I I admire that you did that. So what was more difficult, running a company 
entering 2008, the financial recession. We're running marketing for a company that's focused on haircuts going into COVID. Ooh, gosh, that's a good one. I mean, it will always, because we are so personally invested, and while I do feel personally invested to the brand at Great Clips, but with social, I mean, we were personally invested. We had everything on the line and we had franchisees who we were trying to support through this time as well. And so, so that was definitely something I never want to go back to. But I think it taught me so much. It taught me resilience, perseverance, taught me to really be focused on what you can control and let go of things you can't control. And I think that helped prepare me for when I fast forward 10 plus years and I'm at Great Clips and all of a sudden we have to close all but seven salons for an unknown period of time. We had no idea when we'd be able to reopen. And so it definitely did. I was able to lean on those times actually of all that unknown, not having a playbook, having to kind of figure it out and trust your gut and make decisions and not look back. So yeah, I think it helped. Yeah. I can imagine. And the reason I wanted to zero in entrepreneurial experience is yeah. imagine, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that starting your own business helped give you so much more purview into other aspects of business and just makes you so much more well-rounded marketing leader yeah. for steps in your in your journey. Yeah. Because at Social, I mean, we did everything. We created the brand, right? So we had to go all the way to the beginning create the brand, develop an identity, figure out what we, what our purpose is. A lot of it was really going off our hip and just saying, let's do this. Let's go for it. And then a lot of it, especially as we grow, grew, we had to get more strategic, more on purpose, really lean on that corporate backgrounds we had. And that's true. And pulling out the MBA playbook of here's how we need to approach these things. But you always got pulled into the weeds of things. I had franchisees calling me every day, asking me to edit a menu or help them create a promotional flyer. And so it was just everything. And it was balancing it all. And I mean, the most difficult part of being an entrepreneur as you're growing a business is to keep things moving forward because you're so wrapped up in the operational day-to-day that how do you create that balance of keeping things moving forward, keeping strategic, keeping on that path forward. And I learned a lot from that and I use it every day in my career and have since that. Since then, and the whole social experience is really what brought me to Great Clips because I understood franchising. I understand how invested these franchisees are at Great Clips and how they put everything on the line. And they have just as much passion as we do for the brand and for the business. And it's just extrapolated times, thousands and thousands of locations. <laughs> but the problems are all very similar. The issues we deal with are, are often the same. And the approach that we have to take is similar. Luckily, have a much bigger budget to work with though. At Great Clips or, or at franchise model businesses in general, is your focus at corporate more so to help support local franchisees grow their businesses or to recruit new franchise owners? So my team, we are 100% focused on the consumer. And okay. so driving customers to salons, building the brand. I mean, obviously we're building the brand. And as we build the brand, we attract more franchisees. We attract more stylists. 
but our number one focus is on the customer. Got it. And with 1,200 franchisees and 40,000 stylists, how do you support so many different franchise locations? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's all about having a brand and having a system and having processes and tools and, and ways to support our franchisees. And so from a marketing standpoint and communication standpoint, what my team does is we're really focused on building the brand from mm. the inside out. And so it's all about communication first. And I have a, a small but mighty communications team who is number one focus is on making sure the franchisees and the stylists and the Great Clips employees get all the communication that they need in a timely manner, in a way that motivates them around the brand, around the things that we're doing and need to achieve. And then from a brand standpoint, it's about finding system-wide, we call it, so not national because we're in Canada and the U.S., So system-wide opportunities to grow the brand, whether that's through our partnerships that we have or through our big system-wide brand campaigns that we have or our always-on digital efforts that we have running. So it's all about building the brand at a system level. And then it's about supporting those. We have 190 markets. Our franchisees operate in markets. And I have a team of marketing, a marketing planning team who works with every single one of those markets to work on their marketing plans for the year, build out their marketing calendars, build out their local team partnerships that they have or their promotional efforts that they're going to drive within their market. And the very much keeping them focused on the communities they're in and around. And then I also have marketing specialists who work directly with our franchisees on when they want to do additional marketing beyond what we do at a system level or at a market level. If they want to do additional marketing, we have tools to help them do that. We help them one-on-one with that. We help new franchisees as they're opening new salons and doing their grand opening. And so it's really at all those levels that we help support the franchisees. Love it. By the way, is is that a framed dollar bill behind you? It's a framed hundred dollar bill. Is that, there, there's got to be a backstory to that. Yes, it's signed by Warren Buffett. Oh. Yes. So, you know, kind of a little bit of inspiration and look back at a man who's done very well, focused on what he knows best. And yeah. So, my favorite trivia question is asking people how to spell Buffett. Hardly anyone <laughs> could get it right. Yeah. Double F and double T. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Bro, I love that. I'm jealous. He, I heard him speak probably eight years ago, probably the best speaker I've ever heard. Um, yeah, he's great. And he's a Nebraska guy. So having my, it was a gift that my mother-in-law gave to us after meeting him one time. She gave him a hundred dollar bill and asked him to sign it. So. it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So I understand great clips or not just understand. I see it all the time or invest a lot in sports, sports mm-hmm. sponsorships, sport partnerships. What do you see as the power of investing in sports? Well, we know through you know research that we've done with our customer base and our target for our brand that our customer has a passion for sports. And we know that we have an opportunity to target both casual and diehard fans by having partnerships with teams or with leagues where we can get more deeply engaged with them and tell them a better story in an ongoing story within those partnerships. So, and it also gives us the opportunity to do things at a brand level 
all the way down to an experiential level. So we do a lot of events at different games and opportunities where we can really get one-on-one and have customers experience great clips firsthand. Gives our also our markets a way to engage locally within the community and help lift the brand in a bigger way as we can connect to these teams and leagues. Yeah. And I understand you're also getting into the NIL game. Is, Is that right? We are, yes. Yeah, we lucked out. Yes, last year. So we decided to to try it out last year and we did it with college football playoffs and we lucked out because we worked with Stetson Bennett and he mm. was the quarterback for Georgia, right? So he his last post on social media and it was just the timing worked out because he was actually supposed to get his haircut before the bowl game, but he did he ran out of time. And so he we said, "Oh, don't worry about it then, you know. We'll try again." So he went and got his haircut in Indianapolis at one of our salons a couple of days before the national championship game. So it was his last post on his social media before winning. Before the, and, yeah. Yeah. And before getting all that attention. And so it was, it worked out really well for us. We already cut a lot of, we cut so many athletes hair. Most of our hair, our cuts are with men, but we, you know, 50, 50 on, in terms of our customer base in men and women. And so we're working with both men and female sports and athletes and having them come and get their haircut, talk about it really resonates. It's real. They're really yeah. doing it. Yeah. And you just hit on such an interesting point with so many media channels, you pay X and you get Y. And what's so interesting about investing NIL or athletes or teams, there's almost a competitive aspect to it where you oh. need to predict who's going to perform well. Yes. And if they do, then your media dollars are, are going to go further. Yes, they are. I know. So we, yeah, we're doing it again with this round of playoffs and actually one of the players, I won't say who, but they just lost this weekend. So that's a bummer, but he's still a great guy. Great story. So you should have invested in Michigan, not Ohio state. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anything because I'm just predicting. (laughs) Exactly. No, but we've had a lot of fun. I mean, it's been interesting. We work with a lot of athletes in general, mostly professional, more from an influencer standpoint. But entering into NIL has been interesting because they're still athletes first, right? Where a lot of times they're still figuring it out. Like they're in college. They haven't really worked with a brand before or understand the business aspect of it. So it has been interesting. It's not always easy, but yeah, it can pay off and, and it's fun to do. Yeah. So we're almost in 2023. Any sneak peeks, anything exciting you could share with us? What's in fold yeah. for, for Eclipse? Yeah, well, we're working on a few things with our big campaigns. So our, well, we have our college football campaign that's launching, I think next week, actually. And so that will roll in through the national championship game. And then right on the heels of that, we will be kicking off our NHL season partnership and have activity kicking off in the February timeframe with that. We're really working on influencers as well, and not just athlete influencers, but fan influencers. I mean, hockey is all about hockey hair and who better to talk about hockey hair than great clips, right? As the official hair salon of the NHL. And so we're working on a really fun campaign around the NHL. We actually are shooting our spot next week 
with Kale McCarr. So excited to work with him. And he's on the Avalanche. And yeah. yes, he's gonna be great. Nice, great young player. And and that's where our opportunity is to resonate with younger audience and grow that. So we're really leaning in on that. And then we're also in the throes of our March Madness campaign. And we will be working with Wally Zerbiak on that. Great hair. He's got great, great hair. Great personality. And so working with him, we're going to do our first ever Fan Fest event. And we'll be cutting hair at the Final Four in Fan Fest and doing some fun things within our Fan Fest activation. So very excited about that as well. It's very exciting. If you see Wally, you could ask him if he remembers putting up about 70 points on my brother in high school. My brother okay. had the, the privilege of trying to guard him. They're both from Long Island. So, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I, I will make sure that we ask about that. <laughs> well, Lisa, this, this has been a lot of fun and yeah. just awesome having you on the show. But, but before I let you go, we have the lightning round. Okay. Unfortunately, you weren't supposed to get a sneak peek of these questions in the pre-recording, so it's a little repetitive, but gonna, okay. so it's three questions and we have two minutes to answer them. So the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. So first question, what is a brand whose marketing you admire most? Uh, marketing I admire most is definitely AB InBev with Marcel Marcondo. He, he does such a great job putting process behind creativity just taking risks, just constantly evolving the marketing. And it's fun to watch what they do. I wish I had their budget. (laughs) That would be nice. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a travel agent or a cruise director. And that's what really got me into the international business because I knew I wanted to travel the world and just experience new things. Nice. But then they told me I didn't have to go to college for that. And I said, well, I probably should go to college. So... (laughs) But then you could run the, the cruise ship after. There you go. And then final question. What's your favorite youth sports memory? Oh, youth sports memory? Oh, my gosh. I wasn't great in sports. I was, but I tried everything. And so I don't have a lot of good memories because I was just bad at everything. <laughs> but my mom tells me the funniest story all the time because I'm left-handed, but I kept, they kept trying to teach me things right-handed. So when I was in T-ball at age five, I went up to the to the T and I was facing the wrong way. I was ready to. Mm. And so the coach just came up, picked me up and moved me to the other side. And there we go. But no, I think, uh, I don't remember it, but (laughs) it's often a story at family gatherings. You did it for the story. I did it for the story. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was such a pleasure having you. Thank you. It was great conversation. It's fun to kind of go back in time and think about all these things. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Unaided, the brand building podcast with today's guest, Lisa Hakey. As a recap, we discussed how entrepreneurship can help with a career marketing, power of sports, and how to support franchisees from a corporate level. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. See you next time, everyone. Play on. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating at leagueside.com slash podcast. For more educational and inspiring content, you can follow Leagueside on LinkedIn and Instagram at leagueside underscore. See you next time.